How many of you are discouraged right now? I mean, how many of you are frustrated in these days? You know, we're in the midst of this pandemic. You are stuck at home. Worse yet, you're stuck at home with the kids, with your spouse, for longer periods of time than you ever experienced before, right? Isn't that what's going on right now? So how many of you are frustrated right now? You know, frustration is a function of expectations. We become frustrated or we become discouraged because the reality of what we are experiencing doesn't measure up to what we were expecting. It doesn't measure up to our desires. And this, I think, is true for small things such as unforeseen traffic delays that threaten us to become late for an important appointment or something like that, or, or the fact that we have to wear masks now in public, you know, these little inconveniences. But it's also true, I think, for the big things. Because if we think about it, you know, oftentimes desperate, irrational actions follow in the wake of deep disappointment. It's a fundamental clash between the reality of life and our expectations for life. And frustrations and discouragement diminish faith and hope. You know, today Jesus wants to adjust our expectations so that you and I, that we can live more deeply a life of faith and hope. And if we let him do that, then he will lead us to the true meaning of our lives. I mean, how many of us live our lives on earth as if it were the end goal? Every day we live as like this is the end goal. In other words, it's a kind of an end in and of itself. And instead of a journey to somewhere, a sojourn, a pilgrimage. You know, when I lead a pilgrimage, I often talk about this before we leave, that this is not a vacation. It's a pilgrimage, meaning that don't expect everything to be the way it is at home or the way it is when you're on vacation. But even with life at home, we want to live. If we think about it and we're honest, we want to live like we're on vacation, don't we? Instead of a pilgrimage. Only to discover our frustration at home is a function of our expectations. Today's readings, I think, present us with a biblical metaphor for what human life in this fallen world really is. St. Peter tells us to conduct ourselves with reverence during this time of your sojourning. A time of sojourning. A time of journeying forward. He focused our sight on the world beyond, not on the current world, which is our true end goal. We are on our way home. And this is only, life on earth is only a part of, is part of getting there. We're pilgrims heading toward heaven, toward our Father's house. How many of you got up this morning thinking about heaven? Seriously, 
How many of us got up this morning thinking about heaven? The more we live life as a pilgrimage and less as a vacation, we more deeply realize that we were ransomed from our futile conduct with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He was revealed, as Peter says, for us so that our faith and hope might be in God. You know, pilgrimages always have a spiritual dimension to them. The purpose is meant to keep the frustrations and discouragement of life at bay, as they are most likely to come along. You know, the psalm today, this morning, explains that, that God is faithful. God is faithful. That if we stay close to him, he will safely show us the path of life, abounding joy in God's presence, the delights at his right hand forever. Now, who wouldn't want that? If we stay close to him, this is what he will reveal to us. And the gospel passage this morning, I think, is a living parable. It's not really a parable, it's a living story revealing the same truth. Jesus walking with his disciples along the road to Emmaus. That was his life too, a pilgrimage. His life, Jesus' life too, was a journey. It was a path. And this story today, I think, is an example of what happens to plans when life isn't what we think it's supposed to be. When we have these preconceived ideas of what life should be like. Colopus and his companion are feeling this way as they travel to Emmaus to get away from Jerusalem, where all the events surrounding the Jewish feast of Passover took, out, took place. In some sense, they were bailing out because of the disappointments of the Easter event. Their hopes and their dreams of a Messiah have been shattered, now leading them to Frustration, disappointment. Clopas and his companion seemed to know about Jesus. They knew that he was a mighty prophet in word and deed. They said that. He was handed over to a sentence of death and crucifixion. We were hoping that he would be the one. We were hoping he would be the one, they said. Jesus had raised all of their hopes. And now his death had shattered them. Even the story about some vision of angels declaring that Jesus is alive wasn't enough to keep them in Jerusalem with the community. Even that didn't bolster their faith. Why? I would say, for them, Jesus was a means to an end, a worldly end the one to rescue them from the oppression of Roman rule and from the sin and false worship of their people. They were thinking and living in worldly ways and not as pilgrims or sojourners on the way. So frustration and disappointment diminished their faith and hope because that's what happens. Frustration and discouragement diminish faith and hope. 
And so as they are walking away from the city of Jerusalem, as we heard, Jesus met them on the way. And what did he do? What did he do? He reoriented their life and expectation. They were living only with a conceptual knowledge of the happenings of Jesus, but, but they, couldn't pull it all, they couldn't put it all together. So Jesus spoke with them. He walked with them. He stayed with them. He opened up for them the Old Testament scriptures, revealing the meaning of his life and love. He broke bread with them in this Eucharistic encounter. And then as St. Luke says, and he opened their eyes to recognize them, to recognize him. This eye-opening experience wasn't meant to be an opportunity to physically see him, though that's what happened. What St. Luke really meant, that on a spiritual level came this deeper revelation for them. Once their eyes were opened, that is, once they understood what was being revealed to them in this Eucharistic encounter, their whole life changed. Not only did they recognize Jesus as the one for whom they long, but they recognized him as the one whom they thought they had lost. Then they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he spoke to us on the way and opened the scriptures to us? You know, we, we, we cannot love what we do not know. The word, Jesus, illuminated their minds and his love, the Holy Spirit, stirred up their hearts. They became like the wax of this Easter candle being consumed for Christ by his inexhaustible, by this inexhaustible fuel of grace. They were consumed like this Easter candle. So they set out at once, we heard in the scriptures, that was the words, they set out at once. The Greek used here is from um, anistani, meaning to rise up. That's the same word that describes Christ's resurrection. That's no accident. And then they returned to Jerusalem. Then the two recounted to the others what had taken place on the way and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. But think about this. They not only returned physically to Jerusalem, this encounter with Jesus now focused their lives on the new Jerusalem, a symbol of the church in heaven. Jesus turned their frustration and, and disappointment into faith and hope. And now they cannot contain themselves. They're converted. They make this about face and dash off to announce that the Lord is victorious. He has been raised. They were now, they saw themselves now as pilgrims on the way, sojourning toward heaven, the new Jerusalem. You know, we heard these words, oh, how foolish you are. 
How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke, Jesus said. I think every Christian must admit that this response from Jesus to the disbelief and dashed hopes of the apostles on the road to Emmaus could have easily been said to any one of us when our faith and hope start to wane, perhaps like in the middle of a pandemic. Perhaps many of us live our lives in a worldly way and not so much as pilgrims. Life is a journey. This earthly life is a journey. It's a pilgrimage through time. This is the Christian worldview, my friends. And if we truly see life this way, as it truly is, we will expect what pilgrims expect. What do pilgrims expect? They expect joys and adventures, but also hardship, perhaps danger and suffering. If we expect somehow to achieve perfect happiness with no hardships here and now, then we open the door to constant disappointment, frustration, and deep sadness at times. What Cleopas and his friend were experiencing as they, re as they turned away from Jerusalem and went toward Emmaus. For us Christian pilgrimage, pilgrims, we know that we do not walk alone, that we never have to walk alone. We always have the whole church, the whole church accompanying us, the saints, the angels, and most importantly, Christ himself walking at our side. And secondly, we know without a doubt that there really is a destination beyond our wildest imagination. It's the Father's house where all of our longings will forever be satisfied. Without this destination, the pilgrimage would be pointless and cruel, meaningless and difficult. And you know, if we really think about it, if we really think about it, every encounter with Jesus through prayer, not just saying prayers, but through a personal encounter with Jesus, and through the sacramental life of the church, most especially in the Eucharistic celebration, all of these are an Emmaus event for us. The Lord meets us personally on our journey. He opens the scriptures to us. He breaks bread with us. And then he gives himself to us. The word, Jesus, illuminates our minds, and his love stirs our hearts. Jesus focuses our lives on the new Jerusalem as well. He turns our frustrations and our, dis and our discouragements into faith and hope. And then, conver then converted, we too make an about face as pilgrims on the way and go off announcing Jesus is not dead, he has been raised.
Amen.